Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Tonight, we are bringing you another fantastic show with a fantastic guest, and we all love Dr. Lee Merritt. There's not too many doctors out there that are spreading so much truth, and uh, I tell you, if you're not on Dr. Lee Merritt's Telegram channel, you definitely need to go over there, which we will be sharing her channel link on the wall uh, throughout this interview. And before we start the show, I'd like to recognize a couple of our sponsors. I'd like to recognize Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Mike Lindell, we all know, as you know, he's been really putting his money on the line and his life on the line and his job on the line for exposing some of this ugliness that we see in our world. And if you go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CPNN, you can get up to 66% off your purchase. And last but not least, I would like to recognize Dr. Zelenko, the late, the great, has left us platinum and gold silver bullets to fight any bioweapon that is coming our way. And if you go to zstacklife.com, you'll see some great products there and use promo code CPN and you'll get 5% off your purchase. And last but not least, Dr. Lee Merritt, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on. What do you want to discuss? We, we, uh, somebody said was saying something earlier about, I don't know, about, about what was going on with Trump, and I said, well, maybe we'll we could talk about what's this whole this whole issues and how we how we extract ourselves from from the. The problems, you know, I started talking just about medical stuff, but clearly to understand what happened to us medically, you got to have a worldview that makes sense. And the worldview is not one that I really expected. If you told me 10 years ago, even and I was a I was a skeptic about government 10, 20 years ago, but I had no clue <laughs> how bad it really was. Actually, uh, if you take me 10 years back. Um, if you told me half of the stuff now, I would have said, oh, you're full of crap because right. I was so stuck in the circus with sports and doing the fantasy football, going out to clubs and summer festivities. I was so distracted. I, I needed that pandemic and I, I, I embrace it for wow. which it awakened me on many things, but I agree with you. Absolutely. And Dr. Lee, um, you saw that message that was on the wall and you sent me a, a text and I would definitely love for you to go into what God put on your heart because people are sharing um, things and people think they need to go out and protest and take the streets, which is going to help Trump, which um, we've seen what happened on January 6th. So whatever God has put it on your heart, please, please give to the people right now before we even go into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about for the interview tonight. Sure. I mean, I honestly think, I mean, I guess the, what I said when I didn't understand what was going on in the world, I, to put this in perspective, I've done nothing but pretty much studied the, my whole life or being in, in medical practice, you know, with my nose still in a book. So, I mean, I was always learning things. And in 1996, I kind of got mugged by the federal government with Medicare when I first opened a medical office. My, I, I was in private practice of, of spine surgery. And 
you know, we were expected to understand 165,000 pages of Medicare regulation. And if you didn't do it right, they can throw you in jail. That kind of woke me up. I mean, at that time, and, and I don't know what it is now, maybe it was 150,000 then and it's gone up. But at the, that time, the, the tax code was only 75,000. So <laughs> we were in a lot worse shape. And it was all the, you know, the, the codes for everything. And, and people think that we sent, set our billing rates. No, we didn't set it. The federal government set it. And then the insurance companies kind of took it off them. So it was just a nightmare. And it got me into, uh, one day I was kind of bitching and moaning about this, and, and a friend of mine who was a general surgeon said, you know what, you need to join the AAPS, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And they've been the voice of private practice since 1943 because they realized the, the problem when you get in bed with the government as a physician, that one day, instead of being uh, taking an oath to your patients, you take an oath to the federal government. And that's essentially what happened. So anyway, I became I, I became very active in the in the organization. I, I was as president. And one of the things that happened, and this is one of those acts of God that you just don't figure out at the time. You don't realize what it is. But I was taking my son off to college. We lived in Arizona at the time. And, and he came back and went to Creighton University in Omaha. And I was taking him off to college. And I went back to the you know family farmhouse and stayed there while he was getting started. And I was going through these bookstores in Omaha, and I just happened to see this this book and a guy in a white coat on the back, and was talking about how this was. Uh, he was a spine surgeon. He did well. He did trauma surgery. Did spines. Did all this stuff. And then I turned it over, and it found this was Carl Brandt. He was Hitler's uh, chief medical officer at the end of the war. And I thought, you know, it's always us, the spine surgeons. We always are, we're always somehow the bad guys in some of this. But as I read the book, I bought the book and read it. I realized he wasn't a bad guy. He was in a bad system and hit, you know, every one of us as medical students, none of us expect to end up at the gallows in Nuremberg, but it happened. And I think the, and even knowing all this and studying the history, I've had revelations come out during this that I realized. And, and one of the, I'll just start here. One of the things I've realized is, and you, you just hit it in your intro or before when you're just talking to somebody, we have to be careful about, the fact that we are infiltrated with all sorts of messages that are distracting and not necessarily true by people that we should be able to trust, by people we think we trust. And it's very hard sometimes to sort out the truth. One of the one of the reasons that in spite of some issues to the contrary, like his his push for the vaccines, when I thought, what is he doing? What is Trump doing? Why is he saying positive things about these vaccines? I have to say, just like Putin, when you see the deep, dark state hate somebody with such vehemence, there's something they, they, they won't, don't want you to see. That's, my, that's one of the very first things I do in sourcing truth. Does the deep state hate it? You know, it's like when he walked over to that, uh, that church from the White House just spontaneously and stood there with his Bible up, and you could just hear the demonic screeching from the background. I mean, this is stuff I just wouldn't have predicted, but... We 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 don't quite understand. And here's just one example of things that people take. They, they keep citing Nuremberg, too, and talking about how we need to punish these guys that did this. And I see and I see the people on the stage that are coming up to this litigation thing that's going to go. And they've got people in front of Congress. And I'm just kind of scratching my head. And I'm saying, do they really not know what happened in Nuremberg one? And why is it we don't see any bioweaponeers up there? So I will just tell you. What happened at the doctor's trial at Nuremberg was they, they, they basically hung the red shirts 
and they hired the technocrats. People that had done research that they wanted to know about, they didn't go to the gallows in Nuremberg. They came to the United States and England, they became pharmaceutical people. You know, the, the, the people that they hung, like Carl Brandt, who actually did hang at Nuremberg, you know, he actually saved people's lives. He was reforming hospitals, he'd run out, he, he went up to the Eastern Front and when they were, he realized he was out there and they had people dying just for the lack of surgeons, he took off his, his uniform, put, you know, rolled up his shirt and started operating. I'm going to tell you, as a Navy surgeon, physician and surgeon for 10 years, I never saw an administrator come and do that ever when we needed help. So I'm pretty impressed with him. He was actually, a, I think, a good guy that really did try and save people. However, what happened is during Nuremberg, and he wasn't the only one. At, at Nuremberg, though, what happened is, for, for example, there was a guy who was doing malaria. And I can't think of his name. It's like Strickland or something like that. He, he, he was doing malaria research at, at one of the, um, the work camps or death camps, whatever you want to call them. And uh, some people, like he had 10 people die during his time he was doing this study. So he was brought up on, on the Nuremberg doctor trial and ultimately hung in front of his wife or his family. But during the trial, uh, Carl Brandt's lawyer, and I think it might've been his lawyer too, but Carl Brandt's lawyer brought up the point that the Americans were doing the very same thing. And it was true. One of the guys, Dr. Ivy, who was on the prosecution for the, for the Nuremberg doc, against the Nuremberg doctors, he himself was one of the Harvard guys who hastily went back and wrote the Nuremberg Code during the trial so they could claim they had a, a different set, of, that they'd had this set of ethics that they'd been using. And, he, and Carl Brandt called him on it and said, hey, you guys just wrote that, didn't you? I, I saw it just get published in the medical journal. And then they had to admit that. And then they called him on the fact that he was doing the very same type of malaria research on prisoners at the penitentiaries in America. Now, and, and actually he was using more lethal form of malaria. So <laughs> I'm sorry, what they're telling you isn't true about our history. We didn't just, you know, they always picture the Nuremberg and the paperclip people, they always picture the a project paperclip. They picture him, you know, Werner uh, von, I'm telling you, look up at any encyclopedia, any news article, paper, Project Paperclip. They'll never show you who they really went after. They show you Werner von Braun standing there with his, uh, you know, arms crossed. They got him out of his SS uniform and he's standing there in a nice suit. And people are, you know, behind him, all his engineers and things. Because they want you to believe Project Paperclip was about rocketry. No, it wasn't. That, that, I mean, they were happy to get him. And I'm sure all those people for NASA and stuff. But actually, their biggest instruction when they went over to Europe, and I can't remember, there's a female author that's got a very good book about this that I've read a long time ago, but she talks about this. They were instructed to go and pick up chemists and specifically vaccine chemists. So, you know, and, and that brings me to today. You know, I'm just going to say one of the things that I've said, and I, I, I went on record, even though I didn't have a very big, nobody knew who I was in February 2020. I, I did go on record on public record and in uh, emails that we were having. There were emails that were going around to all the different, I mean, I was on an email starting with 12 people, end up with 157 doctors from around the world, including, you know, Zelenko and, and McCullough and um, the, the great guy, uh, Didier Raoul in France, uh, who really did a lot in the China. And there were Chinese doctors, there were Korean doctors, there were people all over the world. And we were hearing about things. And at that time though, I, I finally piped up and in February, I said, this is a bioweapon, guys. This isn't a naturally occurring disease. And privately, I was taken to task by someone that used to work at Fort Detrick, which I thought was kind of interesting. 
and right there. So I knew, I said from the beginning, this is a bioweapon. Now here's what's happening along the roads of disinformation. You, you know, at first they said, no, 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 this isn't a bioweapon. This came out of a, 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 a thing called a virus left out of bat soup in the Wuhan meat market and infected all these people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really? Okay. Left out of bat soup. You can't make this up. Well, actually, they did make it up. And, and, that, and that meat market just coincidentally happened to be in a, in a country, China's thing is 400,000 square miles or something. It just happened to be eight miles from the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology. So that, that was all very coincidental. But it just, it just stunk from the beginning. But having, having known about what we have done in our bioweapons research over the years, I served at one point as an advisor. Uh, medical, they have to have a medical doctor on this committee. It's not around anymore. But it used to be a subcommittee of the Congress. It was called the, the NRAC, or the Navy Research Advisory Committee. And I just started my own while I was on the committee and going around with these guys and doing things. I, I started just paying attention to the bioweapons stuff. And, and atomic bioweapons and chemical warfare issues for medicine. But anyway, I'm going to tell you, we've known about those labs in Ukraine. We've been part of it. We've had bioweaponeers on the paycheck, on the pay of the Congress, the federal employees, since, since, since forever. But specifically for this discussion, in 1991, the Nunn-Luger Act was signed between two, two senators, named for two senators, Senators Nunn, Nunn and Luger. And they, this was at the fall of the Soviet Union. And they went and they, um, they, they made this, if you see this term, cooperative threat reduction, this, this, this is what this was about. They decided that they couldn't, all those little socialist republics around, around Russia, as the Soviet Union collapsed, everybody was, there was economic chaos. And, oh gosh, they've got chemical, biologic, and uh, nuclear weapons, and we can't let all that fall into the wrong hands. We better go help them. So they allocated $400 million a year for four years, and they went over to, uh, they sent our people, our people, over to these little places and where there were these old labs, and they said, bring the labs up to date, do vaccine research, and do gain-of-function research. One of the, and it's, this wasn't hidden. It was in the congressional record. This was, they, they were so proud of this that in Tbilisi, Georgia, they named the bioweapons lab the Luger lab, okay? Um, and these guys are still around. The people that, our, our bioweapons community didn't just go poof and disappear. We just never really heard, known the names of most of them, heard them, and nobody is, they're not household names. So the people you see out front, like Fauci and Burks, and even most people don't even know who Francis Collins is. He's a geneticist that was head of the NIH that Fauci ostensibly worked for. These are the bag men. I mean, maybe not Collins. I think he's a little higher up on the pyramid. But Fauci is just the bag man. He's the guy that took the money from the from the big deep cabal. They wanted to bring out a universal vaccination that they could put whatever they wanted into. He took the money. He made sure it happened. He went out. He just like the bag man of, of the mob. He went out and made sure that if you didn't do your job over there at you know university such and such research center, we're going to jerk your NIH funding next year. That's how he did it. He funded them. They did their stuff, and he jerked. And then he, he would jerk it back if he didn't like it. Just like that's the equivalent of breaking your legs if you're the mob bag, bag man. So that's been going on. The question I have is: If we really want to know what's going on, if all these senators that look so good grandstanding up there are having all these congressional meetings, why have we not hear, heard from one of our bioweaponeers that you have on the payroll? They fill out a W two. 
or a W9, you know, except maybe Dr. Malone, and he's he's pretending not to be a bioweapon here. He's pretending to be a, a whistleblower. So um, that's that's my that's my biggest thing right now is is in the bio in the in the issue of whether this is this is a naturally occurring disease. Of course, it's not a naturally occurring disease, and what really is the issue now you see is what's in these vaccines and i don't think they're telling us the truth about any of this stuff but every time we think we get a hold of something it turns out most of the time they've been if we figured it out it, it, we realize they've been leading us down the wrong pike like when we figured it out pretty quickly that it couldn't have been natural we everybody was saying oh no it's natural anybody that thinks it elsewhere is stupid are you telling me you know, I'm just nobody in a small town, you know, semi-retired in my basement, sitting in my computer because my they shut down my ORs. If I can figure out this can't be natural, where are all the university boys? Where are all the big shots, you know, hot shots? Are they really all covering for this? Pierce so. That's my that's my issue here. And at every step, now they're admitting, oh, there might have been a lab leak. Okay. Lab leak. And and my favorite one. They started this about six months ago. They really drummed into your mind. They, they, they do two things to get things into your brain. Visual, visual things like the picture of that blue scary thing with the spikes sticking out of it. That looks, you know, I go on, on when I give talks, I show people that, that picture of that blue. We've all seen it, the blue ball with the spikes coming out, got some other blue balls floating around behind it. And people think that's really a, 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 scan, a scanning electron micrograph of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, or it's a spike protein or something. I ask that question. And then I say, no, that is CGI. That's part of, that's a main part of the PSYOP. They know that you will respond to visual images. That is nothing. That's not dangerous. And then I show a picture of my, of those blue plastic balls you put in your dryer, the dryer balls. I said, now these are dangerous. I could put your eye out with that. <laughs> Scott Kesterson says, yes, you threatened to put my eye out with that one time. Um, so they know visual images and they know repetition. So they kept saying, every time I turned around, I'd hear somebody say the two words, Fauci and Labley put together, Fauci and Labley. That's when I realized he was gonna take the fall for this. He's gonna be the fall guy. You know, They want you to believe it was an accident that he, he alone somehow managed to bring to fruition by funding the Wuhan lab. Well, there's so much wrong with that story. Not the least of which that it wasn't hard to see just by the facts they gave us that they couldn't be true if anybody was really open-minded and looking at it. But they want you to believe, why do they want you to believe Fauci? Why would they want to turn this guy into the bad guy and the lab leak? Why, did they, why are they willing to push that lab leak story now? Because what they don't really want you to know is that as Pogo said, there's a cartoon strip called Pogo in the 50s. And as he said, because we have met the enemy and he is us. This wasn't the Wuhan lab, not saying that they weren't involved, not saying that it wasn't, you know, uh, the bat lady of, of Wuhan. It wasn't these people. It was our guys. We did this. I'm, 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 I'm sure that's the, I'm sure that's the play here. They don't want you to go down the deep rabbit hole that shows our funding down at the level of the Congress and the number of people we've had on the payroll, the bioweapons labs that we have helped for example, I know something about quite a bit about the South African Defense Force when we were sending people back and forth to teach them about contact poisons and other things. So we've been helping other people. We've offshored our bioweapons program. And what we didn't offshore, we hid under the guise of veterinary research, medical research, um, you know, 
bioweapons labs are easy to hide. Okay, we just didn't call it Fort, Fort, oh, cancer research. They turned Fort Detrick into a cancer center. Okay, and what did they study in cancer centers? They worked on um, mRNA technology. That was what the major thrust is, even though none of it has really come to fruition, uh, they keep working on it. So I guess that's my introduction. <laughs> Maybe that's a long introduction, but I think we're being bamboozled at every step. And um, I would love, I, I, I talked to Lieutenant Colonel Chambers here today and I, I, we were texting and I said, you know, Pete, I would love to have you ask somebody when you go out to this litigation thing and you're sitting up there with all those guys, why don't you just ask one of these senators or some other people we know, why don't you ask them, hey, you guys, we've had bioweaponeers working for us for a long time. Why don't you interview any of them? I'd love to hear the answer. I bet it's going to be the sound of, of, of complete, like not just silence, but like an anechoic chamber. It's going to be, nobody's going to say a thing. That would bring well, us down. Oh, I can imagine. And and you make, you, you shed so much light because uh, throughout this time, we've noticed that it, it's a bunch of okie dokes. It's look over here, don't look over there. Right. Um, it's it's kind of like in Ohio, you know, with your knowledge, research, and with your opinion, as the dust has settled, with the Ohio trained derailment, it seems to be more of a psyop, especially with the conditioning of the movie White Noise. Yeah. What what is your thoughts on that? And was burning those chemicals good or bad? Okay, and I'm not going to pretend to be an organic chemist, but I'm going to tell you right away, I thought this was not right. In fact, if anybody saw it, I put on my Rumble channel a video with me, and then I had a video later of me and Pete Chambers, because I because I called up Pete, he was he was boots on the ground. Okay, so he was he he confirmed after about three days after this happened, you know, on, on the day after it happened, after I knew about what was going on and what they were trying to claim, I just wanted to say, hey, everybody, I, I even forgot to put my glasses on. I run, ran downstairs to the podcasting center so quickly. I said, hey, guys, don't set your hair on fire about this. I mean, my nurse was the, works with me on my podcast. And my friends, everybody's all upset. I said, whoa, 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 back up, back up. If we've learned anything from the PSYOP of COVID, it's not to jump into stuff and panic. We love to inculcate fear. Fear is the great mind bender. Fear is how they get us. Don't pray to this. There's not, this isn't right. Because I did a simple thing. And it's, you know, it helps to have, a, have some background in chemistry to be able to do this. But basically, you know how to look at things. Okay, so I went to the, I think it was NIOSH site. But anyway, I went to the, first of all, I found out the manifest from the train. And I looked at the chemicals that were there. And there were basically, I mean, there are a bunch of things, but the five chemicals that had some concern, uh, I, I, I wrote all down and I went to look at all the research that had been done on these as environmental toxins. And I just couldn't, I mean, I can go through it in detail, but I just couldn't walk the dog from those toxins to what I was hearing people say, oh, dioxin, they're going to put dioxin, they, they've made a big mess by burning this, they put dioxin in the atmosphere. They're, the, what they burned, okay, first of all, let me see if I can find, actually, this is kind of, since you brought it up, let me see if I can find, it probably isn't on this computer, shoot. I had, I had them all listed, but um, there's, there's a thing, there's one of them is a volatile hydrogen, okay? And that one is the one that when the train rolled over, it leaked and it started getting into the, to the water supply and whatever. 
Now, I'm not quite sure how it did that. There's usually not water right by the right by the train thing. So I'm presuming that it, it seeped in somehow. If there was some, I don't know. That's one of the questions I had. But in any case, they started measuring it downstream in the Ohio River. Now, assuming there's no other source for it, um, they started measuring it downstream. And already by day two or three, they said, yeah, it's really diluting out. But it's one of those, that's the one that you saw. It makes a colorful picture. That's the one that you saw with those, The it makes the rainbow appearing slick on the top of the water. But if you notice the people go around trying to get you scared about this, they would go into a stream and you wouldn't see it. And then they take their boot and they kick up the stones and rocks and you'd see this stuff come out. Why? Because, you know, God has a great design. It's called biodegradation. I mean, things biodegrade. And the way that happens, a chemical like this one, and it was a, it was a, uh, I, I should, I, I had, I used to know these names all, but I hadn't thought about them for a week or two and I've forgotten all the names, but this one was like, it was a, it was a hydrocarbon. And so it would settle out in the streams, get into the ground and within weeks, it's going to biodegrade into natural occurring things. Okay. And sunlight, if it actually is enough that it's, it makes it slick, if there's enough of it, which I didn't see personally very much, uh, it'll biodegrade by the sun evaporating it. Okay. In fact, I was in uh, Menards, which is a big uh, hardware store around here, and it had just snowed. And we saw these, you know, all these cars coming in out of the parking lot. There were these rainbow slicks. I heard people say, oh, I've never seen snow like this. It has rainbow slick on it. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in the parking lot of Menards. I can see it right now, right here. So I called up Pete Chambers. I says, no, no, no. I, I see it right here. We must have had the, the outflow of Ohio somehow got to Omaha, Nebraska. No, it's nonsense. People get people can be led down the path, but it's not true. The big one was, does this make long-term biohazard? Okay, that was my first question. Now, there's ethylene glycol in there, by the way, and ethylene glycol is antifreeze. However, people should realize that, and it's toxic. We don't like that in the environment, and people can die drinking it. You don't. It's not aerosolizable, so you're not going to breathe it in. Your animals are not going to die. I raise chickens. I don't know how they can say their chickens are dying. What from? I don't know. I can't figure that one out. But but it's easy to hire crisis actors. And I'm sorry if anybody is here that had their chickens die, they can explain to me how it happened. But in but in what but I'm going to tell you, ethylene glycol is what they use when it's really cold to de-ice aircraft. Still, yes, we went to propylene glycol because it's a little less toxic. But we still use ethylene glycol. If it's cold enough, propylene glycol will work. So you can either fly in dangerous conditions with no de-icing and your wings aren't working right, or you can have a little ethylene glycol sprayed on the plane. It goes down onto the tarmac. It spreads out onto the, the grassy knolls on each side of the airport, and it does get into the environment. So if we're, I'm just saying, in the level of risk, this train is nothing compared to all the airports all over the United States and Canada. Okay, so that's one. But the big one is. Did it produce dioxin? And dioxin is that ooh, spooky word because that was Agent Orange. How many people realize that if they use Clorox to bleach their baby's diapers, cloth diapers years ago, but I didn't bleach them. Who cares what they look like? Um, if you use Clorox to bleach your baby's diapers, diapers, you're putting chemicals in the environment that can lead to the production of dioxin. It's not one chemical. Dioxin is a family of chemicals, but it's what they did defoliant, made the defoliant for, for Agent Orange for Vietnam for. And that's how it got its bad name. It is a bad chemical. We don't want that around. Okay. But this is not the only place you get it. If you burn trash in your backyard, you will get some dioxin. And there's my point. Why did they burn the car? 
Yes, I think it was personally, sounds like the right thing to do. They didn't have polyvinyl chloride. Polyvinyl chloride is the white stuff that if you burn it, it will lead to dioxin, okay? Because it's a complex, long chemical molecule and it's lots of chlorine in it, intercalated into the chemicals matrix in the structure. And it's, that's what makes PVC tubing or, or plastics, lots of different plastics and, and softer, or that you don't want to burn. But vinyl chloride is the monomer. It's a very, very short thing, and it's highly flammable and combustible. It, it's it's a very and it'll evaporate. So there's there's it'll it it oxidizes readily. So what happened is they had the their the, the four cars of vinyl chloride. They didn't they didn't have leaks, but they're turned over. They're stuck over there. How are you going to get them out? I'm not a, I'm not. This is where I'm not a trained person. I don't know about safety and, and how you evacuate toxic things but a cars but to me it looks like they had a couple of this. they could let it sit there until we got the right hazmat people out to carefully get it out of the cars and in the meantime the whole thing might explode and leave on and leave stuff all over the place and damage the local people so they decided to burn the, burn the port out and burn it in a what they call a controlled burn now i understand there's some engineer on telegram i saw he doesn't identify himself. He claims he's, a, I mean, he looks legit, like he is maybe a chemical engineer kind of person. But he said, no, a controlled burn is done in a factory setting, you know, in a, in a very controlled room, and we make sure the oxygen and the temperature. That's what, that is true. That is what we think of in a controlled industrial burn. But this is more controlled than just letting that stuff sit there in the car and then blow up at, a, at the most inconvenient time, like when all your workmen are around it, okay? Now, what does vinyl chloride do when you, when you burn it? It turns into two chemicals, turned into the hydrochloric acid, okay, and phosgene. Now, phosgene itself is a World War I gas that was used in trench warfare. It doesn't go up high in the air. It gets low, which is why we had to use it in the trenches because it rapidly disperses. And what does phosgene turn into? Carbon dioxide, a little bit of carbon monoxide, but mostly carbon dioxide and hydrochloric acid. So at the end of the day, the burn from vinyl chloride ended up with some acid in the air. Now, I can believe that that acid could have been strong enough initially to etch cars. You see pictures of that. That may be true, but it's not gonna result in a long-term acid rain problem we had in the 50s and 60s from our plants, from our from our, our, our industrial plants in those days weren't, weren't buffering, weren't filtering the effluent coming out of those smokestacks. That was a problem in the 60s and 70s anyway. When they, they stopped in Canada, they, the lakes were being damaged, the fish were dying, there, the trees were dying because they were getting acid because hydros, because sulfuric acid, H2SO4, not HCl, sulfuric acid was getting out of these factories and, and the air was going into these forests and other places we probably just didn't notice and, and dropping and causing these problems. So there's no question that I'm, an, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real environmentalist. I have a farm. You know, I still hang my clothes out in the summer. I don't use, I don't fly a private jet. I actually, you know, don't drive a lot and I, and I try not to waste energy and things like that. But that's, there's a point in time when you have to be realistic about what the risk benefit is here. You can't, you know, I don't want to go back and be a troglodyte and not, ha and have to, have to, uh, you know, weave my own clothing from sheep. I mean, what vinyl chloride is involved in all sorts of plastic manufacture, including the polymers that we wear in our clothes. So 
they know how to take care of this. This is just like the mask problem. Do you think when they suddenly got this disease going around and they told us to wear masks, this is the only time anybody's ever looked at safety issues and masks? Of course they haven't. We had OSHA, we had environmental services, research masks from, from whenever. We were taught about masks, but they ignored all that. They just went with crisis and scare tactics. And I'm sorry, that's what I think Ohio was. And then you mentioned the white noise, okay? Now, what did we see on TV? Speaking of how they do these psyops, what do they, what do they besides say the same thing over and over? What do they always do? They have some really scary picture. And the picture was that it almost looked like a nuclear, wasn't mushroom type, but it looked like a, a funnel, I mean, a huge black cloud with a stalk coming down to the ground. That must have been very early on when they were burning and it spread out wide, right? I don't know how long that lasted. I'm going to try and find that out. But that they kept showing it over and over. Reminded me of the of the um, the helicopter they kept showing burning at Quezon. And everywhere, every night, you saw the same burning thing, making it look like you know Vietnam was a total mess and everything was burning. No, that was, that was it. Doesn't burn that long. That's what they did with the black cloud. Now look at look at the movie. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the movie? You know, I didn't see the movie, but I oh. remember when that when that was going on, and I'm like, you know, as much as these young people on TikTok and love to go on Facebook Live, I remember I'm on the chat with with some of the members and admins, and I'm like, you know, it just doesn't seem right because we would be seeing videos going viral, not just from Ohio, if this cloud was that thick. I mean, people would be like, oh my god, they would want to go viral to where right. i'm like something you didn't see that yes you're right you did not see that and i will tell you that um first of all i saw the movie and i thought to myself this is one i absolutely know that whether or not i'm not saying there isn't maybe some local toxicity that needs to be cleaned up but i think it can be cleaned up and compensate if they need to the people that got damaged but these people coming on saying oh i've got animals dying i asked chambers specifically i said you're with the farmers and the ranchers. You're downwind, right? You're in the downwind side of this. Yes. He said, have you, I see, have you seen any dead animals? He says, no. And I'm talking to those guys. I'll tell you where I think that that's what we talked about, uh, what we thought the motive was. But if you watch the movie, which came out in 2022, filmed you know, a couple of years before all this happened, and they used extras, what's the chance that the exact same thing happens in East Palestine for the movie they filmed there two years ago using those people as extras? I mean, what really is the chance of that? How stupid are we? Anyway, the, um, the, after about two weeks after that movie, I watched it. I, I just played a little game. I asked myself, what do I remember? What are my visuals from that movie? And there were really, I mean, if I really think about it, I can come up with other scenes. But the two scenes that without question were the biggest things in my mind that came out of that movie was the oh, ugly weird black cloud with lightning in it. I mean, you could just look like this electricity all through the cloud and it persisted for this whole whole time they're escaping this whole area. And the second one, which was kind of funny, it was, this was about a college professor who was his extended family and, you know, wife and family, like four kids and they're trying to get out of there. And it happens while he's teaching a walk-on course at this university. And it just, what's his specialty? You know, you just, they have to throw anything in to get your attention. He's a Hitler expert. Oh, give me a break. He's an ex expert on Adolf Hitler. So we have to mention Hitler a bunch in this, in this talk. And the other thing is he's wearing 
this black robe, like a judge's type robe. Now in England, they wear that, the, the university professors wear that, the Oxford Dons, but nobody in America in, in colleges and universities wear those things, right? But he's, he's wearing it, makes him look really spooky, kind of vampiric. And, and then at the end of this Hitler lecture, he walks around the classroom with his arms up. So this, this, this black robe is kind of hanging forward. He looks like this huge bat thing and he's walking around saying, death, death, it's just classic it's classic psychologic manipulation and and so it, it really and, and i will tell you that the people downwind early on scott kesterson said to me you know what this is a land grab and i said i'm with you on that i think this is going to turn out to be a land grab well a few days later when i got a hold of pete chambers he's there on the ground colonel action jackson i call him but anyway he's on the ground and he said he doesn't see dead animals and everybody he talks to, he's talked to the Amish farmers. He's had, a, you know, a friend that got in talking to like the head guys of these Amish farm areas. This is huge that where that cloud went, I mean, where the downwind of this was, was the most beautiful, productive uh, agricultural land, you know, the Ohio River Valley. And there's, and the land has incredible mineral wealth. I mean, this is right next to, you know, the, the coal fields of West Virginia, and they have them too. There was a town there that had 120 oil wells that he talked to. And he said, everybody, everywhere he went, he said, he said, uh, this is nothing. This happens all the time in Ohio. They're always trying to come up with these toxic spills to get us off our land, and we're not leaving. I think wow. that's, I think that's, and, and I'll tell you, let's, let's think about how that plays into the big picture of COVID, Okay. What, what have we seen in the last couple of years? We've seen multiple plants burn, multiple food plants burn. We have seen uh, BLM burn buildings. And whatever you think about BLM, I got to say, I think this is true. What, um, oh, what's her name that, that was from, from uh, HUD? I think she and she has a four, whole staff and they were looking at the areas that were burned by these spontaneous riots. And she said, this is not rioting. This is land acquisition. Where those burns were occurring were in these tax areas where if somebody bought them up, on a, if they, they, they got a big tax break. So now they're being able to buy them up on dollars, you know, dimes on the dollar, pennies on the dollar, because of, they've just been burned down. They probably can't get insurance again. It's a nightmare. So it was to allow the big, big fat cats with the million dollar paychecks to buy up this land and then get this tax benefit. And I think that's what we see all over. In addition, we see an attack on our food supply. And the, the attack on our food supply is EPA goes in and says, well, yeah, you know, you're, you're okay now. And that's one of the things that's in the movie of, to the professor. Yeah, you're okay now, but you're going to die early just because of this. So they'll say, well, yeah, you're okay now, but, but this is a long-term problem and we can't let you sell your, your milk from your dairy. Or this is, we can't let you sell your meat anymore. We're not going to certify your meat anymore. Whatever. It's, it's, that's what's going to happen. I don't think people are buying it because in my neck of the woods, I just talked to my farmer. I have a farmer. I talked to my farmer about getting a side of beef. And he said it's 18 months to get to the butcher because a lot of people realize what's going on, realize our food is not safe. Our food supply is not safe from these psychopaths. And they want to buy it locally. Good deal. And that's one of the things I wanted to say about getting extracting ourselves from the system. Get our how much sense does it make to put the lives of ourselves and our family in the hands of people who want to kill us? They want our food supply. 
That's essentially what we're doing when we depend on the grocery store and the packaged foods and all the stuff they want to give, even their beef, because their backs, this may have happened because those Amish farmers said they won their suit to some level, they won it, uh, to not have to be forced vaccinating their cows and to be able to sell raw milk. And so they couldn't, they couldn't muscle these guys. They didn't roll over. So they did this, I think. I think this is when this, this came. We've seen how many food plants, I, at last count was 220 food processing plants blown up or, or on fire or burned down spontaneous. It's all spontaneous. There's an attack on our food supply and it's, a, and it's all fronts. And why is that happening? Because in addition to disease that they can spread, the one thing that has always been necessary to take over a country is to take down the productive farmers because people that can get to their own food, they can be very independent of government. And that's what they really don't like. And I tell you, this is what it's, I think this is all, that's what it's all been about. You know, I'd have to agree with you. <clears throat> if we look at the uh, pandemic, um, I'm thankful that uh, a, a couple of my relatives that owns, uh, well, I have a cousin that owns a small business and an uncle that owns a, a pretty successful business. But uh, during the pandemic, I mean, they were having hardship to where they almost lost it, you know, and there's many yeah. small mom and pops and, and people that put their life savings in some of these small businesses and now they're gone, you know, so I totally well, I closed oh. the business over this. Oh, wow. Yeah, it happens every, you know, and, and it's not that it wasn't my life saving, but it was still something I'd put seven years of my life into. And just, you know, it just, I couldn't struggle. I just got tired of struggling. I'm too old to struggle on that. So I just said, if I were younger, I'd stay with it, but I just sold everything and, and it's okay. But, you know, that's, it's, it's, yeah, they're taking down our businesses. Now look at the banking. This is, COVID was never a disease. COVID was part of a program. You know, and it was it was a program of control and depopulation. I don't care how I look at it. It always comes down to those two things. So um, they had a solution. The solution was they wanted to give us a universal vaccine because there's something they have to put into us. I don't personally think it's even RNA. I don't. That's why I think it's really important that be careful when they're trying to make you afraid of something like uh, the MIT lab that came out and said, this is changing your DNA. It does get into your DNA. It's going to change your DNA because, see, that's the kind of thing that makes you think. There's a psychological thing where if you if something is too horrifying, you just don't look at it because you don't want to deal with it. Psychologically, you can't deal with it. So like doctors, doctors that if they come to the realization, these good guys that really just got sucked into the system, just like Carl Brandt, they come to the realization that they've people to have these vaccines, including themselves, their family, their friends, their children, and their patients, and they may have killed them or sterilized them for generations to come, that's a hard thing to swallow. And so easier to just say, no, I don't believe, I'm not, no, and read anything, don't read anything, because it's just, it's just too, once you start reading stuff, it's not, it's not hard to find stuff in the basic science that convince you of this, it's just they don't want to look, you know? Um, we never looked and that that's that's really the safest psychological position for a lot of people and it's sad but that's what's going on so we're in a war and it's a multi-dimensional war and i recommend if anybody out there has not read the book silent weapons for quiet wars is that right it's either silent weapons for quiet wars i always get confused quiet weapons for silent wars it's it's about how this is probably the first it's actually 
actually notes that were taken at a meeting of the big fat cats, what I call now the uber parasites. Uh, I used to call them the uber lords, but I really think they're uber parasites that control this world. And probably, it's a probably less than 300 people. That's based on a Swiss study that looked at all who owns the corporations. And it boiled down to essentially 150 men own 90% of the corporate wealth in the world, 80 to 90%. And I think uh, there's probably more, more like 300, John Coleman's right in his book. But what these people are, they're not there by accident. They're bloodline and they're related. They're, they're, play, they're, they're bred into this. They're, they're at the very top. You don't get there because you're a good guy, hard worker, and you know, the, the American dream started at the bottom of the company and built your way. You will never reach that level. This is a group of very small, and it's, and it's generational, generated so that they can keep secrets and they can, they, they can play the long game. And um, they, the first meeting that was ever, I guess, uh, that, that this meeting got caught in the built it probably was the Bilderbergs because it was in 1954 but we don't know about the meeting for sure we don't we just know that these guys met somebody took notes it says and they, and they found these notes in a xerox machine that had been a recycle federal recycle bin and that sounds like a story that anybody could make up but g edward griffin himself told me do you want to meet the guy who found the notes and i said absolutely and i haven't yet but at least that gives me provenance that he actually knows the guy Okay, this is not just a fairy tale. So what it says, in this, and it's a very small book, the, the, the calculus stuff in there, just skim over it. That's showing you that the economic principles that we can use to control the world are the same as the mathematics of uh, electromagnetism, essentially. What elect, you know, electrical engineers know. So they don't want that to get out either. But they say in the book, we, now we can't let people know what we're talking about here. They'll realize we are waging silent war on them. That's what this is. We are in that silent war. And the silent war is multidimensional. At the end of the day, they say that we're too greedy. There are too many of us. And they need to get rid of, they need to keep the population down and make sure we're kind of under control. And they, they, they come up with all these suggestions. But at the end of the day, they say benevolent slavery, genocide. So there you have it. I think that's what this is. And um how they're doing it is this multi-dimensional stealth warfare and uh, let me just say one more thing in the book then i'll shut up but in when they did this it was 1954 and they they talk about how they can they can stress this the, the the system like raising prices or beef prices or making something scarce they can do that and then they can watch to see what happens and how will they know what happens they're going to compare metadata of bank cards and barcodes at grocery stores now and at sale in other stores. Now think about that. This is 1954. When I was in high school in 1969, I was still using a cash register at the grocery store that you had to punch in every digit. Okay, I had to figure the tax in my head, pull the lever, it added it all up for me, and opened the drawer. That's all it did. They're talking about computers and barcodes and credit cards. We didn't have any of those things in 1954, and we didn't have them in 1969. So. The other part of this whole scenario that makes this, that made COVID possible is a, a, is a generalized conspiracy. I mean, it's a worldwide conspiracy that is good at hiding secrets. People don't want to believe that can exist. But remember, Edgar said that, you know, the individual is handicapped by coming face to face with a conspiracy so monstrous that he cannot believe it exists. And how does, and how does, how do they keep the secrets easy? 
is hierarchy and compartmentalization. You know, occult just means hidden. The black occult means you're hiding things to be used against other people. I mean, I don't know if there's a white occult. I've never heard that term, but you can, we talk about occult tumors. Nobody's hiding those tumors. It's just we don't know about them. We find out about them later. It's just hidden. But, but it's like your bookie. If I know something, I'm hiding that knowledge from you uh, as the bookie. I can make money off you. Now, I'm going to tell some of my friends. They're the 300 in control, for example, or my family. I might tell them, and I'm going to pass how to do this on to my sons who also are in part of the bookie business, and they'll be good for the next you know, few generations doing this, but you'll, you'll lose money because I'm going to take money from you because I know the horse is lame and you don't know that. That's, what's thought, that, that's the way this whole thing works. You definitely said that that very well, because uh, <clears throat> with research is 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 exactly what we have learned through research on how these people are operating. You know, it's passed on yes. from generation to generation, and uh, everybody's kind of a cash cow and uh, a slaughterhouse to the point to where <clears throat> you were speaking on how we need to extract ourselves from the um programmed food industry um before we go into q a we're almost up to an hour mark i got a couple things i would like to try to get in there how do we extract ourselves from the medical field big pharma etc cetera, etc cetera. um cancer and parasites and optogenetics and okay then we well those are all q &A. I could do an hour on optogenetics now i just put my my on that dog Say eight. i'm hanging on that <laughs> Hanging on that Dr. Too. Dr. Lee, whatever we need to know, take your time. The the mic well, is yours. Okay. Well, I'll, let me just tell you how to get out of this. If people have to go, I don't want them to leave before we say that. Because, I'm, I mean, every day we learn more. How many people have heard of this story that the United States is a corporation, but they never really looked into it. And they never really looked into the implications for you. And then, you know, they do things like shoot that law student down in Utah so that everybody will be afraid. They do things like you know, Hassel, uh, what was the actor, uh, Will, oh gosh, uh, he's a black guy who is a big Hollywood and music guy. Smith. And who is Smith. it? Not Will Smith, it's, uh, I'll think, but, but, he, but anyway, for not paying taxes or, or trying to get out of the tax thing. The problem is, that's like Stalin. Stalin would murder a few people just randomly, so everybody was afraid that he knew things that they, you know, that he was in control of everything. They're not. The way, first of all, we have to realize the limitations of the Uber, the Uber parasites. And the, the first one is they're really into legalisms. Okay. They have this weird legal system that has certain principles. Like they can't lie to you. They can deceive you. And if you decide to play, then it's your fault. If I, if I deceive you into taking a vaccine and you take it and die, I got no karmic debt because I didn't put it in your arm. So, so the first thing we need to, and, and, and the another, the another, that's one of their weaknesses. Another of their weaknesses is they don't get their hands dirty. The people really running this show, they're not doing anything that's actually kills people. They're just moving the money and the, and the words, the legalisms and the money to make it happen. Okay. But they're not doing it. Eichmann didn't kill people. He just made the trains run on time and organized the death camps. Right. But it was little people like us co-opted into this horrible system that do those things that give that that are still giving out vaccines to two month old you know that's the kind of thing that's still going on so i would say that just given that 
the number one thing to do to extract ourselves from the whole mess, do not accede to evil. Do not be their hands because they can't do it without your hands. Okay. They can't, if, if you're the EPA regulator that's going to come out and shut down that, that Amish farm, don't do it. Okay. You're, and if you lose your job, you got a choice. You're either going to lose your job or you're going to lose your immortal soul and your children are going to die because that's where we are now. We, we have to back up and not participate in this. If you're flying planes that drop chemicals on, on our fields, the, the chemtrails, don't do it. We know it's happening. Don't do it. If you're a bioweaponeer, just knock it off at this point. Because if you don't, those guys, we know who you are, and they'll come after you. Okay? We're just the, the, the real justice after World War II didn't happen at Nuremberg. It happened in all the little villages that were, that were damaged by the medical system and by other things that happened to them thanks to the, the war effort and the government overreach. But the people were left behind that carried it out and some of them got hung and, and paraded through the street and had their hair shorn and all that sort of stuff. So it's time to get out, okay? Don't, don't make this worse. And you'd be surprised, like I tell doctors, there is never a better time to get out of, get off the Medicare, Medicaid, government-run healthcare plantation. If you're a doctor, People are dying. They're desperate for you in any specialty. I mean, I'm 70 years old. Otherwise, I would do this. I would become an orthopedic surgeon that was a, a, a you know, a non-system surgeon, okay? That I, I will, I will uh, be, I will abstract myself from the, from the thing. And if I can find a place to do, do carry out surgery that would allow me to do it for cash and we can make some deals like the Oklahoma Surgery Center. You won't have to worry about being forced vaccinated, that kind of thing. I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about getting bad blood. That's the kind of thing doctors can make money and they can do it well and they can do it morally. So there's lots of ways to get out of this. Uh, nurses too. People want an alternative to the system. And the medical system right now, and I know that we're in a, we're in a crux right now where you can't always find what you need. I'm, that's my point is I tell you on my website what I think you need to do. And I've got a rumble video of the five things I think you need to do that you don't need a doctor. If you do these things, if you're a young person, you're not hit with chronic diseases right now, here's the best way you get yourself out of the, out of the medical system in the future. Don't get sick, you know? Do the things that we know to do and don't get sick. And, and I'm gonna tell you, my great grandparents and my grandparents, that generation that grew up, were born in the 1800s and grew up, they never saw doctors. They didn't go and get healthcare until later in life. It was after World War II and they changed what they were feeding us. They One quick snippet of that that just makes me realize how long they've been killing us. You know, iodine is an essential nutrient, an essential mineral that we all need to have, right? It's very important. It's not just about your thyroid. It's about your brain and your kids, your kids' IQ and your, and your, uh, your, your heart function, your breast lumps and everything. It, it affects everything in the body. Well, we used to stabilize wheat. Before World War II, we would stabilize wheat with, with iodine. But guess what they did after that? When, after World War II, they decided to stabilize it with bromine. Bromine is a toxic halloid. They'd taken all these brominated drugs off the market because they were killing people, but they brominated our flour. And you can still find it in the grocery store. That's the people we can't trust with our medical decisions. So if you eat clean, you detoxify yourself. I can't tell you to use chlorine dioxide, but I use it every day. Um, you treat your parasites, the protocols on my website, you supplement your deficiencies, and you mitigate the EMF that's around you. 
and get right with God, those are, that's how you stay healthy. That's your health. That's, that's you guys that don't have chronic diseases already. But even if you do, you can, you can, you can probably get out of some of the autoimmune disease by getting rid of the parasites. Cancer is parasites. It's been, it's, I, I think that that's a, and again, that's on my video, but all this time we've been told that can't know what caused cancer. If these guys knew, uh, there's a ton. You can just go to the website of the, uh, of the NIH and they've got a million studies using ivermectin against cancer. And beyond that, there's a German group. And again, I've got this on my parasite video. I show you a little excerpt, but you can watch their whole video. It's 30 minutes and they show you the proof that cancer is parasites. It's, uh, it makes perfect sense. Now, we always think of parasites and worms, but it turns out they're, a, they're not just worms. They are they're intracellular parasites that are microscopic and you don't see them. So that's, that's what I would, you know, that's, that's parasites is a big place to start. And I have doctor friends calling me now and say, okay, I want to do it. How again do I do that? <laughs> that's why I can't tell everybody, but it's on the website and I've tried to make it simple and I'm going to improve it all the time. Um, you've got to supplement the deficiencies because our diet and our soils are damaged. Now I will say that my summer project, and I think this should be yours. I always garden this year. I'm going to do electroculture. I think that it is the hot thing everybody needs to know about if they're going to do a garden. And it has to do with copper. Copper is the magic juice. I'm reformulating my, um, my immune stack that, uh, to put more copper in and take out zinc. It turns out too much zinc. We don't want too much zinc. We want just the right amount of zinc balanced with a, with a good dose of copper. Um, so uh, everything they told us was wrong. You know, in fact, to the absurdity, by the way, in Iowa, at one point, they were going to pass a law not to have copper mugs for Moscow mules in bars. You know, my husband and I went out and had copper mules that, and copper mug Moscow mules just in protest that night. Uh, it's crazy. That's just crazy. But everything they do, they're getting this. They're getting little snippets of information from people on high that said, do this. And they don't ask. They just do it. It's like, well, OK, we'll pass legislation for that. That's great. No, they didn't do that. But that's it. So eat clean. If it comes in a box or can. If it's something your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize as food, you shouldn't eat it. If man made it, don't eat it. We need natural food. Scott Ketcherson told me this fact. In World War II, 45% or 50% almost of the food grown, even when we had food rationing and, and butter rationing, 50% of food that was in the food supply during World War II was grown in people's victory gardens. They, they chopped up their grass. They planted victory gardens. We can all do this. Everybody needs to have a garden. This is how you extract yourself from both the medical system and the and the and the uh, and the food system. Um, and then finally, I said supplement deficiencies, and I've got a whole thing on my site about that. And then electromagnetic mitigation, because we are being bombarded with electromagnetic frequencies, no question about it. And there's a bunch of different ways to mitigate that, both by what you take and what you and what you eat and what you uh, what you do electronically in the house. I I, I have. Three, three things that I will tell you real quick. I use carbon 60 because it's an electron donor. This has to do with going into an electric field and changing electric fields around you. And it strips, it gets, changes your electron gradient, but getting an electron donor is helpful. Um, the, uh, the other thing I do, don't eat anything that has bugs in it, okay? Why do they want you to have bugs? This I can't prove, but I believe it's true. It has chitin and chitin is a photonic crystal. Okay, it bends wavelength. This is really the story is all about wavelength, and that's how we get to options and stuff. And then the final, the final thing here is um, that don't live in fear. Okay, 
we are not meant to live in fear. We are meant to be individual, you know, uh, rugged individualists that know how to take care of themselves, that, you know, fight when we need to, but generally just don't want to be any fight. We just want to get along and feed our kids and, you know, have the future. That's not what they want. They want to scare you into going from one thing to another so you don't know where to land. Start with taking care of yourself and your family using basic principles to get yourself out of medical care. Find a cash pay doctor. They're around. You can call the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. You can call the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. There are a bunch of resources um, for finding cash doctors. Talk to your friends. They probably know somebody, especially your older friends that don't want the, the crappy medicine of Medicare. They probably know where there's a, there's a cash doctor. So get yourself out of the system. Get yourself out of the food system by growing your own food as much as you can. Support your local farmer. And, um, you know, I think those are, the, those are two big ones. Now, I will tell you the next step, in my opinion, is I'm not, I, I'm, I, I spoke for Payman Motahedi at the Freedom Law School about taxes. And what he does is he doesn't, it, Wesley Snipes, that was the guy. You know, they always drag out, well, I don't want to not file because look at back into Wesley Snipes. Well, that's not what we're telling you to do. Don't do what he did, okay? But go and if you learn from him, and he's online at livefreenow.org. Uh, if you go online and you read about what really is going on with the IRS, it's smoke and mirrors. And the law that says you have to pay federal income tax, again, is one of these legalisms. It's not really true. We think of the tax code right? That you sign the 10, but the, you only come under the tax code once you sign the 1040. So if you don't fill out the 1040, you're under the congressional law. And what's the congressional law say? It says, it's, it defines what it is to be a citizen of the United States. It says, a citizen of the United States has to pay, is subject to federal income tax. What's a citizen? Someone that lives in the District of Columbia or the states. And how does it define the states? As the District of Columbia. What? That's word magic, okay? Wow. So essentially, yeah, I know. I read it about three times after he showed it to me. He's like, you to be kidding me. But you see, they, they do it. And so, for example, they redefine it. If you're going to do oil exploration, what it says is, if you're going to explore for oil in the United States, you pay a tax. And that is if you're doing it in the in the states or the, the, in the uh, protectorate. Uh, like Puerto Rico and things. And they define what that is. And in that case, they define it as the 50 states, the 40 continental states, Hawaii, Alaska, and these territories, right? That's how they define the areas. But they say that only in this paragraph are these definitions right. Only for this section on oil exploration are these de the definitions. When you move down to the federal income tax, only these definitions apply that are in this section. No common use of the language. No other definitions apply. Only these. Says it about three times. And then it defines it as the District of Columbia. <laughs> I mean, it's just, okay, it's the kind of thing, it's sleight of hand. So what they're, what they're, now, if you work for the post office or you're in the military, you're stuck. Because if you work for a company that is home ported in the District of Columbia, then you're stuck. Okay, and technically they are. But most of us no and i asked him i said so how about if we get like when i was in private practice and i was i was taking medicare and medicaid and things like that federal tricare checks from the government would that 
you mean I have to pay taxes? He said, no, you're still not a, a citizen that lives in the District of Columbia. Even if you're a government worker for the state, you're not, that doesn't mean you're a citizen of the District of Columbia. And this has to do with the, the craziness about what our government really is right now. So there's that. And then there's the next step, which I'm actually going on April 1st. I'm going to a meeting in Des Moines. It's a two-part, two-day meeting run by the Americans in Action. Now, this is not the sovereign citizen movement, okay? There's a, there's a difference here. This is the looking at the real laws that govern us. And I had heard about this stuff for a long time, and I just, it was so crazy, I couldn't believe it. But it is really true. In, in 1861, because they, they, what you do, by the way, as, as if you're going to extract yourself from what is the corporate America, which is the District of Columbia is a corporation. And I bet your listeners know this more than I do. I didn't believe it until now. And now I got it. And I can run this dog down. And it's just like that is part of the Crown Corporation, three Vatican City, Washington, D.C., and the City of London. Not London, but the City of London are the three cities in the world that don't, we always thought, isn't that kind of quaint that they don't, that the Vatican is, is, is in, it's in Italy, but it doesn't go under Italian law. We all thought that was the only one. No, it's all three cities, including what we thought of as our capital. Well, here's what really happened, my understanding, and I looked it up myself in the congressional record. In 1861, when the Southern states walked out, it left them, the Congress without a quorum. So, so the House of Representatives and the Senate could not close the meeting that day, and they could not open it the next day. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't pass laws, couldn't do anything, because there was no quorum. So Abraham Lincoln stepped in, and under the, under the War Powers Act, he took over the running of the government under the executive branch. And, and then just everything's been done. That's why everything can be done in executive order, and that's gotten more and more expanded over time. But that's how it all started. And so it makes you realize that, and this is why I was going to go out to D.C. A friend of mine is a podcaster in Tennessee. We were going to go together and just film what's happening because I said, I want to really know. I hear there are only two buildings open in Washington, D.C. I really want to know what's going on. I went to, to, to the January 6th full, uh, full uh, insurrection. It was just, it was like a Monty Python. There was nothing happening like they, they played on the news, but whatever. I mean, I didn't realize the, what was going on at that time. Now, I, I was, I was having been there in the military and knowing that area, I was smart enough to realize I'm getting a hotel outside the Beltway just in case things go south, which I did. And, but now going there, I'm not going to go back there right now because, again, I think that one of the problems we have is that's a lawless, that is not under any state. So it's lawless. It's only under what these guys want to call the laws. And that's our problem. So you're not safe there, in my opinion. But that's 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 what's really been going on. And then it gets even crazier when, you know, about the bankruptcy and all that stuff. But you can go to the, the in Americans in Action. This is my, my probably my last steps in, in extracting myself from the system is you become a state national. And when you do this, just simply you, you, you write this renunciation of why you're why you're renouncing your your uh any relationship to this corporation okay and the very state corporations part of it so you you now you renounce that and it's the, the repudiation they have a big thing and you write your letter and they give you examples of this and i'm going to tell you i was doing it kind of just to learn about it i wasn't really convinced i was going to do it i just thought well i'll, I'll learn i've heard enough about this I'll, I'll figure it out i'll do this as a practice run 
But as I wrote this letter and I started writing why I would like to not be a member, not be a, in this federal government that you're running out of DC, I realized it was like my soul popped open and I, I just couldn't stay in the system anymore. I said, I am not going to be part of this anymore. It's like when I was speaking for Payment Multahedi in Florida. And one day I realized, I said, when I'm standing up there getting ready to speak, I suddenly hit me that um, I can't continue to pay taxes to a government that has paid bioweapons to kill my children. I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's just a moral choice. And this is the same kind of thing. When you start going down all the things that they've done to us over the, the, the time I've been alive and even before, but at least the time I've been alive, the, 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 the trumped up wars and the, all the stuff that people have died for and all the, all the garbage, you start realizing you can't stay in that system. And when you do this, you, get, you send this off to the Secretary of State, the Attorney General and Secretary of State federally. You can send it off to your birth state or your the state. You know, I, I'm not doing the state I live in, but I am going to do the state of Illinois where I was born. And just it changes your and you're asking for a change of status that you are no longer a corporate entity, a dead corporate entity under them. You are a living, breathing human being, child of God, and you want to be recognized as a state national and, and you know, I'll be a state national in my state. And then it turns out when you do this and you ask for your passport to be corrected, they have evidence that when that happens, they have people that have done it. And what happens is if you know somebody that can run your passport through the system, like a sheriff's deputy friend that can take it and look at the system, they sometimes will look at you and go, oh, my gosh, who are you? Because you suddenly have limited diplomatic immunity. It changes. It doesn't look different. Your passport doesn't look different. But you are technically different. So these guys know what's going on the people running this show they know it's a scam they just hope you don't find it out same with taxes you know it's a scam why do you think that the congress right now is trying to is talking about getting rid of the internal revenue service because they realize we're catching on and when it becomes known that all of us have paid taxes enormous amounts of taxes over a lifetime that didn't go to the infrastructure of america but went to the to the big european bank paid debt that they trumped up that is what is going to piss people off to the point they get pitchforked. So these guys know we better get rid of this before they figure that out. I think that's what's going on. So that's the, and then the final extraction is if you own property, if you own land, not property, if you own land, you can get these things called alloidal deeds and it basically takes it out of any ability for them to take your property. It's like it's literally come from the property deeds that were signed by the president of the United States when we still had a United States. And yeah, there's a way to do that. That I don't know much about yet. That's my that's my goal is to not lose the farm. And so my goal is to pass it to my children. And that is uh, the final thing I'm going to do. But that's why I say we can extract. I look at my life right now. I used to be a big city doctor. I had all this stuff. I did all these things. And so that is important. Okay. What's important is the well-being of my friends, my community, my family. And I don't need to have a lot of things to do that. I mean, I live comfortably, but, um, oh, and by the way, you can extract yourself from the school system. I was a homeschooler. I was the lowest paid spine surgeon in America. I gave up three years of a career to stay home with my kids and, and teach them to read and help them grow up um, before then my husband retired and was able to stay home. And then I went to work. 
it worked out. But but I'm going to tell you, uh, it's worth that. It's the best thing I ever did. I mean, my life, I'm going to say, is teach my kids to read. You know, very, very cool. You can take them home. If you don't like, if you don't find a church that you're, that you're good with, home churches, that's, that's cropping up again, too. So all of these things can be done. We're used, so used to having a system. And my big, my big final word here to everybody is just think how dangerous it is, especially if you live in a city, but anywhere. They only have three days, three days food supply in most cities. Think how dangerous it is, it is to trust that well-being of the food to your family to these psychopaths. So, uh, you know, they talk about prepping. And I always, we, years ago, I saw those early prepper shows that came on and they made these guys look like kooks kind of way. But when I looked at it and I heard about this term prepping, I thought, prepping? we just called that being an Iowa. I mean, everybody knew how to can. Everybody knew there could be bad years, that there could be a depression. They knew how to keep money, not just in the bank. That's another one. Extract yourself. How do you extract yourself from the banking system? Well, if they, if they, and don't let them, we cannot go cashless. Okay. Cashless is just a social credit score by using your purse. They will, that's a noose around your neck. And that's going to be a huge problem if they do that. But ultimately, uh, if you look at America, we produce everything. We produce cars, we produce healthcare, we produce not always good healthcare, but we produce some healthcare. We produce food for our, we can feed our, unlike many countries, we can completely be self-sustainable. We can feed ourselves, we can clothe ourselves, we can, we have transportation, we have oil, we have coal, we have uh, sunlight, we have everything, okay? So, do we need money that's tied to debt over in Europe? Absolutely not, okay? So, at some level, and I had, uh, there's a guest, the end of scarcity, Ragusa is her last name, Kristen Ragusa, I had her on my Brighton show talking about this. Even local levels can extract themselves from the monetary system. There's, there's a long history of script, of state printed money. It's totally legal. Not legal for the federal government to print money, but it is legal for states to do it. It's legal for your farmer to give you script. Okay? And then you can trade, uh, you, here he promised, he's, he's buying a uh, a, something, a used car from you, and he's promising you in turn three halves of, of beef over a period of the next two years or something. He can give you, he can do that. He can give you script. He can, he can issue it and you can then use it to buy it. And you can use it to trade it to somebody else that wants something from you and you give it to them and then they go get the beef from him. That can work. Okay. So there's, that's all. We have to start thinking outside the box and you have to mostly you think outside the box by realizing there is no box. The box is in here. We'll get out of this. These guys, besides, you know how you tell, you know how you tell the uber parasites in the world? They have no sense of humor. So one of the things you do is you just beat them to death with a sense of humor. That's that's my final thought. <laughs> I like that. And it's so true. Um is that uh you you touched on many things and <clears throat> it's a definitely an honor and a pleasure to have you on here because i'm definitely going to look into this uh livefreenow.org uh, i yeah. really appreciate you dropping that on us yeah he's great i, I tell him i sent you he's he's a he's a <clears throat> and uh and you you mentioned i i know you asked me about options i could give you a two-minute synopsis here is that this whole thing has never been about a virus I don't think viruses exist. I, not as not as not as the way. And even G, Judy Mikevitz, I sat next to Judy, and she heard me speak. I listened to me. She heard me speak down in Florida, and she said, and, and she said, you know, I agreed with everything except 
I think they killed Luke Montagnier. And I said, I actually think that too, but I didn't, I didn't say that because I can't prove it. But, but, but I said to her, I said, I know you believe in viruses. When you define, I listen to what you said. When you define viruses, you're not saying that they're a little flying unicorn that come out of your mouth and go over to somebody else and make sick. What you're saying is, because she has this great line, and I've, I've, I've adopted it, injection, infection by injection. So what she's saying is, there are these things in cells we call viruses that are in the human body, and we can extract them and we can then inject them into other people, make them sick. You could call that exosomes. You could call that, you know, flower swirls, call it what you will. But virus in Latin means toxin. So what we're dealing with is not a virus. We are not dealing with an airborne disease. We never were. We're dealing with toxic stuff, both that's got spread around to start this whole thing, I think, and in the vaccines. And the question is, what do we do about all that toxic stuff? Well, the first thing is quit taking it. Don't take any more injections. Don't even take, I don't even want to buy toothpaste from these psychopaths. So don't take your shingles shot. Don't take any shot. You can't trust, they didn't, they still haven't told us officially what's in the vaccine. You think they're going to be honest about any injection they give you. Don't take it. Okay. The second thing is if you need medicines, by the way, you can get them overseas and they're not, it's still pharmaceutical drugs but they're not giving it to you intravenously. I don't think that's the big thing. So what this is about is about wavelength. I didn't get, I got demonetized from Substack. In fact, Steve Kirk says, I think I mean one. They suddenly wouldn't take, I was on there for you know, a number of weeks. I was writing articles. People were putting money forward. I had a lot of subscribers and they sent all their money back and said, we're not going to let you stay because I'd written several articles. They didn't have any problem. It was all about genetic, potential genetic manipulation, CRISPR, blah, blah, blah. But when I started talking about wave, kicked me off. Well, they could write, but we're not going to you know, let you have anybody make money. And at some point, since I'm not doing worth beats, I have to make money. So anyway, I started just writing up on my own website. But here the story is that lengths can transmit disease, but, but they're not very efficient at doing it. And I think what they've done, there's a whole, you saw these people, all these people dropping over in, in like the, the Travis Scott concert. Okay, they didn't get crushed, they dropped. And then they were, then that was a crush because people were panicking and then they were trying to get the concert stopped and all that sort of stuff, but that happened later. These people just dropped, there were like 10 of them, just dropped. I, I, I listened to all the first hand accounts I could find. And this doesn't sound, it sounds just like what we saw in the, on the playing fields and this, this, I don't know if you saw that, that has the uh, body drop. If you haven't, you need to listen to that. That's a great song. So it's my only rap song I like. Um, but yeah, they just went over. But here's the thing. They they were all vaccinated and went through this tunnel and then they got into this, this concert and there are all these pulsating lights, strobing kind of lights and sound, wavelength. Now, your body has chemicals that respond to wavelength. They're options, but humans are very weak bacteria have very strong options and they have already married them together and and so they can they can put them into mammals and they can create from a distance using wavelength they claim they haven't done this in humans but listen to what it does they, they can from a distance they can use a wavelength to create an arrhythmia in your heart or stop an arrhythmia in your heart in other words they're telling you oh look how much we could save not have to have peacemakers in the heart for an arrhythmia which is a you know an irregular rhythm. We do this, and it shows with this option in them. 
we can turn on a low frequency wavelength. It'll do. It will. It will. Um, it, it can speed up. It can give you an arrhythmia. It can, it can stimulate ventricular movement. That's your heart um, faster than the normal sinus rhythm, which means it's giving you an arrhythmia. That's what they tell you in the basic science. I don't read medical journals anymore. The basic science are all over this. That is a huge branch of of um, of research now is and they can do it in the brain and they talk about all these situations they they have very precise what they call spatiotemporal response in other words i can target your hypothalamus i could tell target your op, uh, your your pre uh, low i could target your your optic um part of your brain whatever i want to target and, and i there's a french guy that video out and he says they're going to do this. He's talking 1995. He made this video and says um, they're going to get damages with wavelength. They're going to put things into your body, which are crystal nature, that will cause you to respond to wavelength in various different ways. And he said, "Don't think of this as hypothesis. They can change. They can turn you into a zombie. You won't be able to think. They can make you have different behaviors." They can do it very precisely, which is exactly what these researchers say. Okay, he was making this. But, but he says, and don't think of this as hypothetical thing about Rwanda. And if you remember, Rwanda, you had the, the Tutsis, they lived side by side for how knows long, I mean, hundreds of years at least. Suddenly, one group turned on the other with machete weapons and just massacred them. What? Okay. Now, the CDC is talking about the zombie apocalypse. It's not about RNA. You can, and that's why you can get out of this. I think people that take vaccine should not be doom and gloom. You should just be proactive, start doing something. I had a thing on my website about vaccine remorse, how you get out, what I think you should do. Starting with, you've got to do those five things we already said. Eat clean, to eat, try to get your parasites out because they're killing you with parasites. Another weird legalism of these Uber words, belief that they, they don't kill you directly, they kill you indirectly, you don't get karmic debt. And isn't it a great deal that if I give you a vaccine that doesn't kill you directly, but it kills you when you come in contact with wavelength, or it liberates parasites, your own parasites to kill you. That would be a great thing, right? They don't have to directly poison us, but when they do, when they do it indirectly, they don't think they're gonna get that. I think they're foolish fooling themselves, but that's what this is about. So it's an indirect murder scheme, and you can I believe you can get out of it. So there you go. That's options. Thank you so much for that. Um, Doreen, I do see your hand was yeah. raised, but I just want to ask Dr. Lee one question because uh, God has um, connected me with a Christian doctor out of Minnesota. His name is Dr. Kevin Connors. Um, how I learned of him, a customer that a customer of mine um, was telling me about her daughter that had stage four cancer. And she said it spread throughout her whole body. And my Sicilian family, many of my Sicilian family members have passed away from cancer. So when I heard stage four spread throughout our body, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is not good. And I'm like, oh, my God, her daughter's probably dead. And I'm like, is, is your daughter dead? And she had the biggest smile. I was like, oh, no. She's like, my daughter's still alive. She's like, yeah, she's five years cancer free. And I said, wait a minute. Absolutely. What? I said, hold on a second. 
And she says, oh, yeah, my daughter has this device and she sleeps next to it and it even has COVID-19 on it. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It's a, it's please a explain device. me. And I'm like, please explain to me this a little bit better. And um, she's like, yeah, it's like a flashlight or a tube. And while she's sleeping, it's killing the cancer cells in her body. And there's like seven, eight hundred different diseases and viruses programmed on it and COVID. And I'm like, wow. And God told me, you know, I created this conversation, get this doctor's phone number. And, and by the grace of God, you know, I had him on here twice. And uh, it's a Royal Rife machine. Right, right. Tuned to the right frequencies. So Right. Now, see, that's the, only, that's the only thing that I don't, you know, I always worry about with those things is how do we know the frequencies? I know exactly I know where the book is of Royal Rife's initial studies. But also, he, the way he produced those frequencies, it wasn't a simple way. He had a radio engineer make a carrier wave and it's complicated the way they did it on those machines so i'm assuming that they're trying to duplicate that and i know the lukovsky coil from russia he had those wavelength things that he sat around so i know that it's possible i just don't know how to verify which machine is what but this is great news i mean it's wavelength because you can you can kill they're to kill the can killing the parasites so they're killing the parasites with these wavelengths Absolutely. You know, and now that I um, connected with you, I'll connect you with Dr. Kevin Connors and you both can talk because I know I know he said there's two companies that he gets the machines from and he finds tune tunes them to the proper frequency. And I know there's a lot of people out there like, oh, yeah, I had it and it didn't work because people don't know how to do the fine tuning. And I mean, there's that's the issue. There's testimonies on his uh, website where there's a lot of a lot of good stuff there, but I don't want to take too much away from some of the members. I got questions for you. How sure. how much time do we have left with you? Well, that's okay. I can do some questions. Awesome, thanks. Um, Doreen, you were up first. Uh, do you have a question? Right. Your mic is unmuted. Okay. Um, actually, I have two questions. Um, Dr. Matt, you are wonderful and an inspiration. Um, and first of all, an, another testimony. My brother had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he was given two months to live. Three years later, here he is. Um, juicing, artemisinin, CBD oil, because he wouldn't do RSO, um, and reduction of stress. And he's alive. Hallelujah. Um, but my question regarding the uh, transmission of disease, what do you think about morphic resonance in relation to contagion well i mean that's the term that's actually uh it's kind of like it's like the royal rife used years ago the mortal uh, oscillatory resonance but really what what the story is and this is the constant chaff effect that i stumbled across because you can't this doesn't get translated to english there's only one little picture that's in english that i can find anywhere everything else is behind paywalls 
or not not translated or not published. Um, so Kazantsev was a guy in, in Russia in 1920s, 30s. He was a doctor. He did a study and he showed that if you take two groups of cells, they're the identical cells, but you split it into two groups and, and, you, and you keep them in a hermetically steeled chamber separated by an optical window. And then you poison side A. So you could poison it with radiation, you could poison it with arsenic, you could poison it with bacterial toxins. And then watch what happens to side B. If the window, the, if the window, the optical window is made of glass, nothing happens to side B. If it's made of quartz, which is, by the way, what Royal Rife had, in, had brilliantly put throughout his microscopes, it's quartz optics. It doesn't work to see. You can't see without quartz optics because quartz allows and near radiation through. And what will happen is if he poisoned side A with radiation, side B after 12 hours wasn't radiated to start dying of exactly the same symptoms. And it was symptom specific. If he po poisoned side A with arsenic, side B would die of those symptoms. So what was happening? The, the, the Russians called them photoni smerti, death photons. And they, and they crossed on the ultraviolet frequencies. Now it's interesting, infrared and near infrared is what you need for getting your toxins out of the body. That's why you need to get some sunlight or infrared sauna that's get toxins out of the body. But the, the, the ultra, other end of the spectrum is where these frequencies that, that will actually um, kill you, okay? Think about this. You could, you can then electromagnet, and, and Luc Montagnet and Jacques Denis, who were two French scientists, showed that bioactive molecules have a magnetic signature, that you can capture that image and you can recreate the molecule using the signal of DNA or immunoglobulins. You can recreate the effect by using a signature. So, so what it says is you could capture a disease process and you could broadcast it to a bunch of people and they could get sick. Okay, that's what I partly is what's happening too. Now, there's a lot of aspects to this, but but what I think you're saying is that why why do children get sick when they're in the same area or even touch each other, right? Um, mm -hmm. it, it, the, you know, some of the stuff that we classically think of viruses, it, and flu is a whole different thing. Flu is clearly, there, there's clearly an electromagnetic signal that causes it has nothing to do with a virus. I can prove that. But the the, the question of you know measles and chickenpox and things like that. Well, when you're growing, you you when you have a, when you come up with a rash like smallpox or chickenpox or measles, a rash is just very rapid detoxification. Exhausted all the other ways to do it. So what happens is that you're in a room with a bunch of kids and do not think trees talk to each other through resonance why they talk to each other a sick cell in your body may give off an electromagnetic signature tells your next your four-year-old friend hey i'm detox time for you to detox too it could be that simple i don't think we have all the answers but i do think larry larry polevsky who's the pediatrician thinks that's what's going on and um i think it makes sense flu is absolutely different flu has to do with these sunspots that's why we never had and, and telegram and EMF and all this stuff. We never had a early flu season until we laid down the telegram lines. It was before that only flu, flu only happened every 10 to 40 years. Flu does not mean influenza like it's the name of a virus. It means influence in Italian. And they didn't know what caused it, but recently uh, astronomers, the big pandemics of, of the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, 
it was all completely correlated with, with when the got very active because we're electromagnetic beings. You walk into an electromagnetic field that you're not used to and your metabolism doesn't work right. And you can't get rid of toxins, sick and die. And if you're, if you're very toxic and don't have a great immune system. So that's what that is. That's a totally different thing. But chicken pox is still the, there's out on that. But I'm just, you can you only project disease. And so you should be able to reverse and use wavelengths to stop disease. If that answered your question, that was the long answer. All right, Twisted Minds, you're up next. Thank you. Um, actually, I just wanted to speak because you brought up um, the Rife machine. And I have a machine from Virutron, which I don't know if you ever heard of, it's out of the Philippines. But it, it's a, it does three different functions to work on curing of everything. Have you heard of it? Well, I know about Rife machines. I just actually, my my former medical office was like five miles from where Royal Rife grew up. So I know a lot about Royal Rife. But anyway, I don't know about the different brands. I know about the Spooky 2, that one, but I don't know about most of them. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. If anyone has a question for Dr. Lee Merritt, if you press the middle button, we can call upon you. All right, Ellie, you are up. Ellie, your mic is unmuted. There, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? We, yes, we can hear you. Uh, my, okay, my question was, can a biopsy differentiate between parasitic egg sacs and uh, tumors that are like cancer? Apparently not. Apparently, you know, that's the, that's the tragic thing. Let me just tell you, my, I learned this from an artist, this part of it, because he said, uh, he talked to, and subsequently met the guy, who's the PhD parasitologist he knows. But basically, when you look under the microscope, one of his early observations was, that parasite egg sacs look identical to some of these tumors. Now, you know, in my professional career, I spent a lot of time, you know, biopsying spines that thought was a cancer, you know, doing a needle biopsy or a trochar biopsy or something, sending it off to the lab, only to find out now, now I know this, but I didn't know then, that pathologists look at fresh smears of cancer, because these are not fixed. They look at them fresh to make sure you get the sample. They will look at them and they'll see motion in those cells and they call it like idiopathic cancer cell motion. They make some term for it. They don't, they're not got blinders on because we've been told that cancer is cancer and parasites are parasites. They're not thinking, is there something moving in there that's alive, that's separate from the human body? You know, they're not thinking about that. That's amazing to me, but that's a German uh, working group that the university guys have figured out. They show, and I'll tell you, it's not cancer. MS, multiple sclerosis, right? And lots of these neurologic things may be uh, parasites. Multiple sclerosis, Dr. Uh, McDonald down, I think, in Florida, he has done 10 autopsies in multiple sclerosis patients. How do we make the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, which is something as a spine surgeon, I did a lot. You know, somebody comes in with neurologic problems, they think it might be the spine, and I see them, that's not what it is, do the workup, and you know, it's because you've got certain symptoms, 
and we get our the brain and our spinal cord and they show what we call plaques there's spots on this on the you show the nervous tissue but nobody ever thought to look and say maybe we should biopsy or look at those spots what are they we never did that at least i know at least not that i know of and i'm a sponsor and the person to do that nobody ever requested that so why are they what did they do he, he autopsied 10 dead multiple sclerosis patients 100 percent of them had parasites some of them actually he could see the little wormholes the nematode they weren't microscopic but blood is probably microscopic but he said 100 percent of them had parasites now that actually is a real kick in the pants in my opinion and when i was in medical school in 1976 i remember the professor saying one of the things learned, which I thought was weird, why would this be true? I thought, why would this be true? Very weird that one of the risk factors for MS is having a lap dog under the age of five. So if you grew up in a house with a small dog before the age of five, you increase your risk of MS. Why would that be true? If it's a weird neurologic disease that just kind of falls out of the sky, well, see, it doesn't fall out of the sky. It's, it's a parasite. It's parasites, and you get more exposure when you are having a lap dog for a little kid. So you got more years, it builds and these things happen. You know, we, we think because we can name a disease, we understand it, and that's just not true. Like your doctor, if you've got Crohn's disease, I've had, I've had four people that came to me and said they had Crohn's disease, and all four of them got rid of it by going on a completely strict gluten-free diet. They can't cheat. You cheat once and it's all over again. But they, go, they really get strict, they went away. Because they'll look at you, at the GI doctor and say, no, it's not diet related. Well, very they don't they don't really encourage people to do the diet correctly, but probably the second thing is they have this thing, they say, well, it's flattening the villa, it's got this, it's got that's maybe celiac. Yeah, different things they see on the on the scope. When they scope you, they say, No, we scope you, you've got Crohn's disease because you've got this, 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 and this. They don't ask to cause this, 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 and this. That's our problem. And it's true, it's true in a lot, probably my specialty too. We've all had blinders on. You know, it's crazy. You brought up Crohn's disease and, and Laura, you're going to be up and then Rita, you're after Laura. My daughter was diagnosed when she was 13. And wow, was that one of the scariest times as a, a parent? Um, but God was in my spirit. Like, wait a minute. I can't let these people just uh, turn my daughter into like a research monkey. And we really have to think. Um, so anyway, anyway, um, she, she started taking, um, monthly injections and, and things like that. And she's going to school to be a PA and she came home one day and she told me and my wife, she says, you know, you know, what kills people medicine. <laughs> yeah. And we both look like, whoa, you know, <laughs> I was not even awake then. Yeah. Where I'm just like, wow, it, it makes sense. My daughter stopped all those monthly treatments and she went straight vegetarian and knock on wood, I just knocked. <laughs> she is great, absolutely great. She exercised and she stopped eating meat. And I, I don't know what it did, but she's been really excellent. I, right. I just thought to say that as you were speaking on it. Yeah, and I and I hope it stays that way. I, I will say my experience, I, the the problem with, there's problems with vegetarianism. They're big, different long-term problems. That's the problem. 
I mean, it's there's, there's a book called The Vegetarianism by Lee Eric Keith and everything. It, it works for a while. It just may not work long term because you don't you you use micronutrients. I don't care. You just can't you can't completely support it, and and that's the only issue. But but thing of it is. Um, I had exactly that kind of story. My friend's son, I, I'm, I'm living where I grew up. You know, I came back home. I'm the only Iowa to retire back to Iowa from Arizona. But I came back home. My friend does kinetic water, high school friend. He, can't, he said to me, he said, hey, can I ask you a medical, you know, the local medical unofficial consultant. And, and, he, and he told me about his son who has Crohn's disease. And it's so it was so bad he was losing weight, bleeding all the time. Couldn't and they had him on seven hundred dollars a month for these IV injections. So I know what you're talking about. And he was not getting over it. And I said, well, you know, I don't know if I have a, a real cure here, but why don't you try this? Because this is what I understand, uh, kind of out of the box thinking. And I just learned about this. But why don't you try it? And I've had good luck with other people, but don't know. And I gave him the Wheat Belly book by D- Davis, and I said, just do this, but tell him you can't cheat. This is not a, this is not, well, I'm, yeah, I'm gluten-free. And then when you ask, oh, well, no, I take, I have a cookie once in a while. And I no, 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 no. This is absolutely, you're not going to eat grains. You're not going to eat anything that's made from wheat, barley, cam, or spelt, whatever, the, the, none of it. And, and you can cheat on other things, but never cheat on those. Well, he did it. I got a call from the kid, like in three weeks, he said, hey, I'm fine now. Can I stop the medicine? I said, well, okay. Hold on. Let's do this. Why don't you right. use the medicine until you get to where you only have two weeks less left, and then then stop it and see. And the only time he ever had a relapse was when he accidentally ate a wheat cookie at a picnic in the summer, got into some wheat, had three days of bleeding, never had it again, went off the diet, went back to his GI doctor and said, I don't think I have Crohn's. I think I have a wheat allergy. And they said, nope, we know that. No, no, you, we, we've scoped you. We know that that's not it. But <laughs> you know, so, but he's never had it again. He's doing fine now. Put on weight, normal, working, doing everything. Well, I mean, they can't stop the money flow. Uh, I'll, I'm going to get to Laura real quick, but I'll tell you, my daughter's treatments were $50,000 a month. And due to my wife's insurance, it knocked it down to $25,000. Five came out of pocket. It, it, oh it, it's my really ridiculous. <laughs> well, go ahead, Laura. Thanks, Mike. Good day, Dr. Merritt. I will be very quick. You mentioned MS. I was diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome. Within a year of receiving a flu jab, I'm convinced that it's jab injury related, even though it was precipitated by a very deep cut to my left calf. I take low-dose naltrexone, which has gotten me out of a wheelchair, and CBD oil, but I just, I'm only saying that to assist other people. I'm not a doctor, but I'd just like you to comment about some of these neurological, like CRPS, MS. Do you believe that, like, where do you think that they've started, like? Well, you know, first of all, that's the the number one, you know, the number one side effect of the flu vaccine, which was is the big payout, is Guillain-Barre. It's neurologic. You know, this this argument of autism, we shouldn't be arguing about this anymore. Number one side effect of all the vaccine programs that we've had, even though they're not the magnitude of COVID, but they're 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 neurologic. And the big payout is 
uh, for Guillaume Barre for flu. That's the number one payout from the government, our government um, uh, compensatory fund. They don't pay much and it's hard to get, but that's what they do. So anyway, I would say this, we don't, the, the jury's out about what a lot of this is. I've had people, cause I did a lot of neurology in my practice and I'm not a neurologist, but by, by training, I trained at the Blair Institute of Neurology in London and I, I, as a spine surgeon, you gotta know how to do a neurologic stuff. So anyway, I have people that had neuropathy, they'd have all sorts of stuff and nobody ever suggested bump up those supplements, for example, that help uh, run your nervous system, B12 and sublingual folate, uh, under the tongue folate, methyl, or, I mean, under the tongue B12 and methylated folate. So yes, I take one, those, thank you. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that's, that's a baseline. People that have neurologic problems, and I think, cause I had a friend die from this that I couldn't stop, um, I was out of town and he was a, he, I knew, we, we all knew he had a, I'd been helping him. He would ataxia and he had balance problems if he didn't take his sublingual B12, his methylated folate, because he just didn't make that. He just couldn't, he didn't, his body needed more than the average person. You know, 30 years ago, 30% of men in nursing homes for dementia were found to actually have B12 deficiency. How depressing is that? A simple treatment. So everybody over the age of 50 probably would take sublingual B12. But beyond that, if you've got a neurologic problem, everybody should take it. And methylated folate, because some people don't methylate well. And, and that's the thing. I think people that take those vaccines that have a, it, it's like some people don't get gout and they can eat anything. Other people get it because their enzymes are a little sluggish. Well, if your enzymes, just genetically, you have this enzyme that's a little sluggish about running your nerves, you're going to have to push that. You're going to have to take better care of your nerves by pushing certain supplements, but beyond that, eating correctly. But beyond that, I got to tell you, I think it's a compelling, there is a very compelling narrative of this being uh, opened up to us about parasites involving all sorts of neurologic issues. And because they're very subtle and they're intracellular, we don't catch them. And, you know, for example, complex regional pain syndrome. Okay, we think we know what it is, but how do we know that your shot didn't liberate the parasites? See, it, we know that the, we know that, uh, this vaccine, so I'm going to presume that they just didn't look on these clear vaccines for the most part. They didn't want to know because that's a big business. But you knock down that part of the um, the system that keeps your parasites in check. And so something starts growing and it's damaging you. In my opinion, the chance of that is so good. And the chance of everybody that we're listening, that's listening here, has parasites is so high that I think everybody ought to do a parasite protocol. I, I mean... I can tell you my own story. I had I had night sweats that had been progressive for years before COVID started. I kind of put put it in denial. Could be cancer, could be something, but I didn't have it obvious any other thing. And I'm not going to go MRI my whole body. I didn't know what you know what else I'm going to do differently. I'm already maximizing what I thought was an anti-cancer regimen. So what am I going to do? But I would soak. I got to the point I was just soaking the sheets every night, three days on an anti-parasitic drug. In this case, nitazoxanide. Three days, six pills gone. That was it. Now I still take. I'm still doing a parasite protocol to get rid of them completely as best I can. And then you'll never get done. You always have to take. You know, we're always being exposed to parasites. Your dog has them. You, if you, you know, if you ever go barefoot, it's all over the place. You know, eat sushi. I mean, it's crazy to not think we had it. We were lied to about that too. We were told, oh, 
parasites. That's a third world country problem. So I personally think everybody should do that. And you never know what it's going to do. I mean, I can't promise you, but those are the two things off the top of my head. Again, that's why I think, you know, this is the point. Ancient medicine, look how much money we spend in diagnosis in our world. We spend all this money on making a diagnosis, and we still don't solve stuff a lot of times. We still don't get to root cause. The ancient physicians, the time of, you know, Plato and those guys, they would, they would, they had two treatments. It was get right with God, purification, which is why medical clinics are often entails, and detoxify. And again, they knew that virus in Latin meant toxin. So those were the only two things they knew about. But their point was, if we only have these two treatments, they didn't spend a lot of time, they, you know, they examined you and talked to you, but they didn't spend a lot of time, they, they, more of an education thing. So now what we have is we have probably six things, those five things plus get right with God, those five things I just mentioned. Those are things that everybody should do. And then see what you're left with, because I got a feeling that those are gonna take care of most of the things that we're, we're, we're fighting. The human nature, the biology didn't change that much, except now we have artificial diseases caused by artificial parasites and artificial toxins, and we're constantly bombarded with that. And that's where I think that our money ought to go is and, and change our language. You know, if you get if you get on a plane and or if you say, you know, I caught the flu. No, you got toxic. You got, you know, you're you're toxic and you didn't get enough infrared radiation. If you get on a plane and you go to go to you know a vacation in Baltimore or someplace with friends and family at Christmas time, and you get there and a couple of days later you start getting a cough and get sick, don't say you got it because this guy was talking coughing on the plane. That's not what happened. What happened is you were up night all you're all excited, you can sleep, you're up all night packing and get ready for the trip. You get on the plane, can't sleep on the plane. You get there, you meet, and then the plane, by the way, that you just got on was just filled with toxins because they sprayed it with all these antiseptic agents and just let it, you know, seep through the recycled air on the plane for four hours. Then you get to Baltimore and you meet your family and you haven't seen them since last Christmas and you're all tired and you stay up and you eat, eat all sorts of junk food and you drink and, and party. And then after a few days, you're still not getting a lot of sleep. And now you get sick and you blame it on the guy that was coughing on the plane. You see my point? We have to look at root causes. We don't just don't just come for a just don't find a scapegoat. Let's look at root causes. And the causes are those: it's parasites, toxins, EMF, deficiency diseases, and I'm leaving one out and uh, something else. I left one out. But anyway, that's that's what we got to look at. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Lee, can I ask you how, how do you spell those? parasite pills you're talking about well i have a you know if you go to my site and it's uh themedicalrebel.com is my website the medical yep. rebel three words uh, you go there and i've got a whole thing i've got a chlorine dioxide protocol that i use um and then i've got a thing on parasite protocol that tells you i, I for legal reasons just put in all the things the cdc had but i summarize on the top it's too long did not read kind of summary off the top and then I summarize kind of what I've done for myself. I use three drugs. I use ivermectin. I use uh, fenbendazole, which is panic your C, and I use nitazoxanide. And I don't. I didn't test myself for parasites ahead of time. I just know I have them. So I started with. Well, I just picked one and started with it. I did a few cycles. You have to cycle on and off. Start with short cycles. Move them longer. I started doing that. And then after a few months, I went to a different drug and I did it that way. And if you're doing it right, you will not get 
you won't get a sneezy wheezy episode of Herxheimer reaction. That, that's the biggest problem with parasite treatment is doing too long of the off time. Because when you treat parasites with any drug, the idea is you kill the mother parasites and then all the babies start hatching out, which is no problem. That's what you want to do. That's why you cycle. You do an on and off. You, you, you kill the mothers, let the babies hatch out, kill them. Then, then don't let any more mothers show up. You let more babies hatch out, then you kill them. But as you get less and less babies, you can go longer between cycles because between treatments because you just don't want to get overwhelmed with dead parasites. Okay, so if you have a ton of parasites and you will, let's say you do the five days off, but the next time you do a treatment, you've got your whole body filled with these parasites that are now just hatched out you treat yourself you're going to get you can get sick and you can get a, you get starts out with runny eyes and a real stuffed up nose it's an allergic reaction like like hay fever on steroids it's just like hay fever high burn so you get real stuffy you can get a, you can get a flu like muscle aches and pains you just feel lousy right it'll go away you don't need real treatment for it. you can take an antihistamine it's a histamine mediated thing you can you can you can get a, you can take that for it and just as little as possible and just let it go away. But to avoid that, that means you've got a big half cup that's happening every time. You've got to shorten up the cycle. So you may just take three days off and maybe cut your dose in half. I mean, I wish, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be a parasite expert, but unfortunately we have no parasite experts in this country for the most part. Our infectious disease people don't think everybody's got parasites. They don't believe in treating you. And the, the herbalists, I think, know the most about the life cycle of parasites and how they run and how they make people feel, but they're not using the big guns that I think we use, need to use now. I'm okay with herbal stuff, by the way, for parasites, but I don't think you should start it first because we're dealing with a, with a world where we don't know what's real and what's been artificially created. And I can't guarantee that wormwood and artemisia and, and black walnut husks which I grow all over me. I got black walnut trees all over, but I just don't think they're by themselves are going to necessarily get into your brain. They have to be able to cross the blood brain barrier, these herbals and get in your spinal cord and do the places that we know these things are. They'll keep them in check. Once you go through, if you don't want to be on pharmaceutical drugs forever, you can just maybe do that. When you get to the monthly maintenance, that might work, but you got to know what to look for to know that you're having recurrence too. I mean, and I just think looking at, it gets creepy, but learning to look at your stools. You'll, you'll, after you do a few cycles and this starts coming out of you, you'll know what's going on. Even you may not see worms, you may not see anything move, but you'll know, you'll know that you're, you know, you get little black things or you'll, you'll have gaseous stools that are weird. And you'll just kind of know that you're cleansing yourself out. I mean, I lost, I can tell you, I lost a couple uh, uh, waist sizes originally. I was just gonna, my bloating just went away. It was unbelievable. And I and I thought I was healthy, you know. I thought I was healthy, but boom, this thing, this really ramped it up. It really helped. So, thank everybody on to do that. Thank you for but that. Not, and it, I did. is Alinea, but don't buy it locally. And I've got a place. I use Grant Pharmacy. You can use any place you want to. But I'm going to tell you what will cost you four thousand dollars in a local pharmacy. It'll be 175 or 275 from Grant Pharmacy or one of these overseas pharmacies. Awesome. I did put your website on the page and I'll definitely be looking into that. And I did want to give a big shout out to Heaven, to Danny Lameo from Dirt Road Discussions. He was a patriot on Telegram that was really 
helping people understand about ivermectin and uh he definitely uh will not be forgotten yeah that's great and rita young you are up and then miss america you are up after rita and then i play out of golf just so i don't get divorced and all this <laughs> Uh, Rita, you have to unmute your mic. All right, we'll have to go with Miss America. Can I get a mic check, please? <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Dr. Merritt, I am um, I am just honored. You have no idea. I watch you on all the five docs. Oh, great. So I'm, very, yeah, I'm very familiar with you. Thank you for all that you do there. I can't tell you how many people that you have helped, not only myself, but my friends get through this. Um, I definitely do not want to cause a divorce, but I do have a list of questions. <laughs> so please just um, answer some of these with yes or no is fine with me. Sure, sure. Um, on one of the last five docs, you said that no one ever mentioned space forests. I will tell you, I fly their flag very proud. I get some of the strangest looks. Nobody, but I nobody know, what? What did I say? Nobody what? Nobody ever mentions Space Force. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the know, but very few people do. <laughs> yeah, so I fly their flag. I'm very proud of them. Um, are so, you familiar with um, Andreas Kakler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I'm not, I mean, he's a physician that knows a lot about chlorine dioxide. My, my approach to chlorine dioxide was just to try it and make it a simple intro for people who then, after they've been doing it, they under, they got this, the basic, they can get in at a ground level. They got it under their belt. They're taking, they're doing what they need to do baseline. If they want to branch out and find more effective things, you know, more efficient ways. I personally looked, just looked, and I know, um, uh, oh, what's her name? She's she's done all the autism with chlorine dioxide. I'm blanking on her name right now. I had her on the show, but but I mean these are these guys really know a lot about how to do that. Where they make a a, a pure solution of the thing using a gas method. And to me, it's just it's just too hard. It, you can't even get people to make their own crystals liquid. So I just don't I just don't go there. But but I'm okay with it. I think it's it's, it's brilliant what these guys have been doing. Uh, I just trying to keep it simple to get people as an entry level into chlorine dioxide. Understand. I also want to um, congratulate you because on your website, it states that at 63 years young, <laughs> you won a female body competition in physique. <laughs> so if yeah. you're ever inclined to make a telegram group of women bodybuilders, please let me be your first follower. Oh, that'd be awesome. I have a really good friend that's a that's a, a world. She was a world champion, but she was one of the big steroid gals from the years ago. But uh, I, you know, unfortunately, this winter I just kind of let it fall down. I, I, my now my my whole workout routine is uh, I I work in the gym in, in the winter, and I just have been bad about it here the last couple months. And then I just I just do farming work in the summer. You know, I'm always outside chopping down things and doing heavy labor so that's my workout which that just psychologically i needed to get out of the gym and do that 
So I can't, I can't do posing for you anymore. <laughs> I should, I keep saying I'm gonna do it again. You know, uh, uh, there's a very great, I can't, uh, what's her name? God, she was the world's oldest woman bodybuilder. And I used to follow her and watch all her videos when I was doing it. And she's really awesome. Uh, so. Well, as women, we, we definitely need to work out because of our bone health. Absolutely. And, and just because you, you just feel better, it makes everything better. You, we were meant to move. We were meant to pick up heavy things and put them down. So, um, you know, and that's why I do credit that with the ability that, you know, I'm out hoeing and raking and shoveling and doing lots of stuff in the summer. And I don't have limitations. My friends that want to come help me that are my age, they have lots of limitations. So that is a problem. You got to get, you, I used to see people in my clinic in orthopedics, these ladies that, you know, they were generally healthy. They didn't have blood pressure problems. They were generally healthy, but they never really worked out. And so now their muscles weren't holding up their skeleton and they just physically were debilitated when they shouldn't have been. It's hard to, it's hard to back from that. You can do it though. And you just get somebody that really knows how to help you. I, I will tell ladies, be careful about having this big muscled up guy teach you how to do weightlifting because they're used to the big guys. You got to find somebody that really knows how to train anybody. So, I do have a question though, in regards to, are you familiar with red light therapy and what are your thoughts about using sauna as a de detoxifier in all this process? No, I think, I think the infrared saunas are, are key. Now you can get it from the sunlight. They know that. That's probably why dimming the sun. But yeah, you can get it from the sunlight. But I've been at the meeting where they had those things that just fit, fit around your neck, like old steam baths in the 30s, these steam tents. But this thing fits around, and it's just an infrared saw. I think they're around 1500 bucks. You can get into them. Um, I, have a, I have a wooden one that sat for years, and I never used it. And then when COVID hit, we got into it every night. We sick, you know. Um, 30 minutes or 20 minutes at 130 degrees in an infrared sauna. And that you need that infrared to get rid of the toxins. So that helps you do it. And the other thing is just live by the sun. In winter, the reason we have a winter death season is we extend our life with light bulbs and things. And we're, we're getting toxic because we're not the sun's rays. In the old farming communities, we used to go to bed at nine o'clock in, in the winter or, or, you know, or earlier. When the sun went down, my grandparents went to bed. But now we stay up, we keep the lights up, we watch TV and we do, you know, telegram and we do stuff. And uh, that's my problem. That's my habit at night. As I get so involved in reading telegram sites. Um, that's our problem. We have to start sleeping by the sun cycle and then you'll have less toxins to do. You, have, you can't be expending energy when out when you don't have it coming in. But one way you can lengthen that is the infrared system. And red light, I think, is a little different. But I know that there are people using it and there are cardiologists using red light because it helps build the red light laser therapy because it um, it actually builds cardiac cells. So that's another thing they're not telling us. There might be some issues at, of use in these people that are myocarditis and stuff. Well, I, I again, I really appreciate your time and it's such thanks, an honor. Thanks. I hope to get to talk to you again. Please yeah, keep well, doing what you're doing. Five docs. <laughs> yeah. And just for anybody that, that it's Sherry Tenpenny's site, I'm not sure quite how you sign up for it, but I think you can find it under her name, but it's the five docs that we, we meet on we uh, Thursday nights. It's the last, it's the fourth Thursday of every month or something, six o'clock central. 
Well, Dr. Lee, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. And I'll hey, definitely love to have you on again. I mean, this was great information. And like I said, you're very loved from all of us. Well, and thank you so much. And it was fun doing this. I, I don't ever, I just don't do this on Telegram, but I love Telegram. And and uh, I've got a new thing I'm doing on Telegram. So I'd love to get to, to know if this is good. But anyway, I have this thing. It's called, it's three bells. You'll see a picture with three bells on it. And I got this from Eric Moussas. I just have to tell you this little story. He, he asked me, he said, do you know what rebel means? Or to rebel or rebel. And I said, well, yeah, I thought it was, you know, to go against authority you did, didn't agree with. And they, he said, no, no, where does the word come from? I said, well, I guess I don't know. And he said, it means to rebel, to change the frequency. Isn't that cool? So anyway, oh, my here, goodness. isn't that cool? You know, we've been talking about frequency here. So I think that's funny. So I so when there's a big thing, the Ohio spell, when that all happened, I put out this picture I have now of the three three bells to the definition of where to rebel, change the frequency. Yes, frequency change below, put a little arrow down, and then below a little audible audio little something vignette that I talked to you about. Um so just for fun, but I think it's kind of fun. I just love to I I I'm heavily invested in watching the Wagner group and the, the Russian army uh, move through Bakhmut and follow that whole thing, because I think that's the seat of evil in this world is underneath there. It's not what they're doing on the surface. It's underneath. And that's coming to a head. So I think we're almost out of this. I really think we're about to see a big change in the world. I don't know what to think about. We'll see about what happens Tuesday, but let's not lose our heads over it. Let's just stand up for liberty and our families. We'll be okay. Absolutely. You know, and I'd love to bring you and, and Dr. Chambers on here. I, I've had Dr. Chambers on here three times already, but I, I think you guys are the force. You guys are the real soldier doctor. So I'll, you know, I'm going to reach out to Dr. I Chambers love, I and put you. that together. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks a lot. A good night. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, we appreciate you. And thank you so much. And you have a good night, Dr. Everybody Mayor. have a nice night. Thank you.